Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing this Sunday at like 10.45 in the morning? <laughs> Hopefully everyone is having a good day so far. Sun's out, it's a nice cool breeze, it's kind of like 74, 75 out, which isn't terrible. Today, I'm going to be talking about an episode, it's like, uh, I don't know, I mean, I like Grandfather Stratton, he's okay, but it's just, I mean, and yes, it was six episodes ago that we had an episode centered around Grandfather Stratton, but, of course, the episode, excuse me, I'm talking about is season three, episode 13, entitled, The Trouble with Grandfather, which aired on January 6th, 1985. This is the first episode of a brand new year, 1985. In this episode, Grandfather Stratton announces his retirement just to have some fun, which sounds so unlike him. Because he is such an uptight businessman that he's all about the business. Even when he went out with uh, um, June Cleaver's, uh, um, Barbara Billingsley's character in um, the last episode he was in called I Can't Dance or I Won't Dance or one of them. Um, he negotiated a hostile takeover of a corporation while he was on a date. So this just seems why all of a sudden does this man want to retire? I mean, he can. He's got more money than Weezer from Steel Magnolias, I'm sure. Um, this episode's got a 6.8 out of 10, based on 16 ratings. Let's see. Uh, we have someone who just plays a matron. Not sure what that is. Helen Winston, we have someone who's a biker named James Arone. Dee Dee Driscoll, played by Misty Rowe. So these are some guest people. Frank D. Vall, plays someone named Bernie. So we're getting at least four characters in this episode that I don't know what they have to do with the plot. But we'll find out. This episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duclan, the creator, Ron Levitt, the creator, Michael G. Moy, the creator, Jim Evering wrote this episode, as well as Dorothy Van, creator Howard Leeds, Ben Starr, the creator, and Martin Cohen, the creator. So many creators on the show. There's no trivia, so. Alright, um, what I'd like to do, I've been trying to do this at least, is... Give a shout out to the podcast. I cannot talk. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, give a shout out to the podcast listeners at the beginning of the episode instead of forgetting at the end. So here we go. We got. I pray I don't mispronounce this. Nipomo, N I P O M O, California. 
Hartville, Ohio, McFarland, Wisconsin, Oakville, Canada, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Hollywood, Florida, Park Hills, Missouri, Westville, Oklahoma, Mawson, Wisconsin, Round Rock, Texas, Republic of Korea, Nowton, or Nowon, N-O-W-O-N, Bothell, Washington, Los Angeles, California, Huntington Beach, California, Chicago, Illinois, Reno, Nevada, Jackson, New Jersey, Garland, Texas, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Mount Vernon, Missouri, Henderson, Nevada, Miami, Florida, Columbus, Ohio, Newburyport, Massachusetts, Bogota, Columbia, Fresh Meadows, New York, Bakersfield, California, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Cheltenham, United Kingdom. Also, if you are new to the podcast, thank you for jumping on the Silver Spoons train. I want to let you know where you can go and follow along with the podcast. You can do so at Together We're Going to Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast on Facebook. There's also Silver Spoons Podcast or Silver Spoons Pod that's on Instagram. On Twitter, it falls under the same banner as Punky Power PB Podcast. So you can go to Twitter, look up Punky Power PB Podcast. You can follow along there. If you've been following along since Punky the Punky Brewster podcast, you can just, you know, hang out there and just you'll get all your Silver Spoons information as well. So but you probably heard me say that um, we are going to be coming to the end of Season 3 at the end of September. So we'll be finishing that. I will be pay, uh, taking a little bit of a gap time, a little break, and coming back in March of 2020 to start up Season 4 of Silver Spoons. However, there are some episodes in Season 3 that I skipped over because... They are holiday episodes. Um, it was a dark and stormy night, early season three. That's kind of Halloween-ish a little bit, so I saved that for October. There's a two-part episode, Village of the Darned, which takes place in Thanksgiving, so you're going to get that in November. And a Christmas episode that will take place in December. I'll be putting that up. So you're still getting one for October. October, November, December. So really the only months I won't be really covering is going to be January, February. So just because um, I'm working with on the Full House podcast and I have a big thing coming up that I really want to focus on. Um, right now with Full House, I'm doing the Summer Fun series. And then in August, I have the birthday episode themes with... Um, DJ's birthday, Stephanie's birthday, Ramona's birthday, and then, of course, John Stamos celebrates a birthday August 19th, so I will be doing a birthday episode dedicated to John Stamos, Uncle Jesse. Uh, in September, we have the Back to School episodes. I'll be focused on that. There's a couple Halloween episodes in October. There's... A couple Thanksgiving episodes. There's one in Fuller House, one in Full House. And, of course, all the Christmas episodes in between Full House and Fuller House is going to be in December. Also, I like to do, you know, movies and different things like that. As well, so January 
is going to be, it's going to be Jesse and Becky, their courtship from the first time they meet in season two to when they admit their feelings for each other, when they almost get married, when they get engaged, the actual wedding, when Becky finds out she's pregnant, and then, of course, the birth of the twins. Now, anything from the twins being born onward, as far as when they come home with Nikki and Alex, that is going to be its own separate segment done at another time, which I'll call that, like, uh, parenting troubles or something like that. Um, also in February, it's going to also be the Valentine's episodes of Full House. And I believe I want to kind of do a little bookend also with Fuller House. I believe it's a season one finale where Jesse and Becky come to renew their vows. That would be like a complete full circle. I just thought that would be really cute. So, yeah, a lot of stuff planned and then kind of gonna kind of go from there and just kind of see you know different themes and stuff of what I want to do next I kind of have things all planned in my head um what episodes I want to do and when and all that good stuff so all right without further ado let's jump into this episode of Silver Spoons and see where it takes us we open up the episode in the living room which is pretty much where a lot of the episodes seem to be in the living room it seems like maybe seven times out of ten we get an entry by train and we always get an applause. Um, I was watching a video on YouTube that was like a tribute or dedication to Edward and Kate. And it showed scenes from episodes, seasons I haven't even covered yet. And it looks like we eventually do get rid of that leather couch, which is great because I don't really like it. <laughs> um... I think it's got to be after Kate and Edward get married, but, I mean, they get married in season three, this season that's coming up. Thank you. I can't wait. Season four, I think the first episode, is when Kate is just redecorating the whole place. It's a nice, comfy sofa, and one of the scenes I saw in that tribute video was how that living room actually looks like a living room, and it doesn't. I mean, it's got some nice, soft lighting in the background that makes it look like a living room. This just, it still has got the, and you don't really see them playing the, um, the video, the arcade machines unless, you know, a scene calls for it and stuff. So it's like, yeah, I, I want to see that living room into a living room. <laughs> I want to see what Kate does with that later. Yeah. So, all right. So from what I'm getting, it looks like the boys are doing homework at the desk where Kate normally works at. Oh, they're not doing homework. They're filling out employment applications because apparently the legal age to work back in the day was 14. I, this is 1985, so I guess so. I mean, I was 16 or 17. I swear I was 17. Was I 17 or 17? I can't remember. Um, I got my first job right after I got my license. Um, I also got in my first car accident. Um, but that will be saved for... Another Full House episode, I haven't decided which one, either Driving Miss DJ or the one where Stephanie goes through the kitchen, backs into the kitchen with Joey's car. I haven't decided, but yeah, that's a, that's a story for that time. But I'm going to play this clip. 
Boy, they sure ask a lot of questions in these employment applications. Yeah. Who'd you put down as a reference? You. Who'd you put down? You. Uh... Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. How's Grandfather's party coming along? Oh, great. We just came from the caterers. Kate wanted to serve Mexican. I wanted to serve French. So we settled on Norwegian. <laughs> We're going to have 18 different kinds of herring. Ew. Where's the caterer? Ming Chow. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Now that we're real mature, we feel that we're ready for an important job with major responsibilities. Yeah, we're going to be Mel Steckler ushers. How wonderful. What's a Mel Steckler usher? Sure you've seen them. They wear ball games, rock concerts, and they wear those really noble uniforms. Noble? They're bad. <laughs> Here's a brochure. The few, the proud. The Mel Steckler Usher. Oh, they're ushers. You know, being an usher isn't as glamorous as it sounds. I was an usher back home in Columbus, Ohio at the Rivoli Theater. You didn't like it? Boy, you're on your feet all day long, and the bottom of your shoes are always sticky, and you end up seeing the same movie over and over again. I must have seen a thousand clowns a hundred times. Gee, that's a hundred thousand clowns. <laughs> so these boys here are filling out apps for to be ushers for, like, either rock concerts or this or that. I'm like, they're 14. Granted, they're just ushers. It's not like they're going to be security guards or anything. And then, of course, for their references, they each put down each other. Boys, that's not how that works. They want a reference of somebody that knows your work history, but since you really don't have work history... Well, t wait a minute. Could Ricky put down... That he worked, well, I mean, he worked for a day, um, at that, uh, that restaurant place that his dad was going to shut down. I mean, granted, his dad could not be used as a reference because they do not want you using your parents. They want someone who has a non-biased opinion of you. So, his grandfather would not be able to be used as the reference. His dad wouldn't. Kate probably could because she's not his stepmother yet. What about, like, a paper route? Did Ricky ever maybe have a paper route or something like that? What about, like, a teacher? When I, um, for my references, and I'm, I'm probably going to eventually have to start actually updating my references, um, because I use uh, an, uh, a teacher that I've had for a very long time, had for a very long time as a reference. I use an old co-worker, which, or not, I mean an old manager that, um, moved out of state, so I don't know how well that would, uh, but I haven't had to look for a job in almost five, in about five years, so it's like, yeah, when the time comes, it's like, yeah, I mean, I know my co-worker will let me use him as a reference, which is awesome, but it's like, eh. So while the boys are filling out applications for jobs at the desk, Kate and Edward come in, they've been planning grandfather's or Edward's father's retirement party. Uh, Edward wanted French fruit. <laughs> French food. Uh, he wanted French food. And Kate wanted to serve Mexican food. They just came from the caterers. And I'm just thinking, so they're each kind of getting what they want. But I'm like, 
It sounds like something that Grandfather Stratton would be a little, like, teed off, like, well, it's my retirement party, why don't you get something that I want to have? Because he seems, I mean, he seems like he'd be get, he'd be picky any, any way regardless. He, he he, he just seems like he'd be someone that would be impossible to please. I mean, we've seen examples of that in past episodes. They settled on Norwegian. That would be interesting to try some Norwegian food. I've never, I've never had it before. So, a uh, question here I looked up. What is traditional Norwegian food? It says, in general, Norway relies heavily on fish for most of its food supply. Seafood is very much the heart and soul of Norwegian cuisine. The most common types of fish include haddock, cod, trout, salmon, mackerel, and herring. And boiled cod is considered a delicacy. I tried salmon. I mean... I know it doesn't actually count like a salmon burger. They tried that once for on the lunch menu. And in junior high, you get one of two choices. You either get this or you get that. And I'm like, oh, salmon burger. That could be interesting. Took a bite of it. I immediately regret, regretted my choice. Like, uh. I mean, as far as seafood, I mean, consider seafood like. Long John Silver's or Gordon's Fisherman that comes in the freezer section of a store. Um, or the Hawaiian cream shrimp from Asian Buffet. So, yeah. That's that's my seafood. 18 different kinds of herring. Are there 18 kinds? So, there's types of herring. There's Atlantic herring. There's blueback herring. There's A-L-E-W-I-F-E herring. Shad? S-H-A-D? I could very well be mispronouncing both those names. Ming Chao is the caterer. So because Ricky says he and Alfonso are quote-unquote mature now because they're 14, they're like, we're ready for real responsibility and we thought we should get jobs as ushers. And Kate speaks from experience having been an usher, works somewhere, you're on your feet all day, so a male stuckular, I can't even say it, usher, is someone who works at ball games, at rock concerts, and they wear noble uniforms, almost like the flight attendants on a plane. Because we get a picture of what these, and they're grown adults. The few, the proud, the male stuckler ushers. And this person does look like a cross between a flight attendant slash policeman slash someone who works at a carnival with orange pants, a red blazer with gold tassels on the shoulders, and black uh, shoes. Yeah, and Kate kind of bursts her bubble like, you know, being an usher is not as glamorous as it sounds. She says, you know, you work long hours, you're on your feet all the day, all the time, your shoes get sticky. So, yeah, Kate, of course, we've heard that she lives in Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, at the Rivoli Theater that apparently, what, played one movie? It must have been a small theater then, because she said she saw 1,000 fish, the movie, like a thousand times. And Edward's like, oh, so technically you saw a hundred thousand fish. Like, eh, Edward, please, that joke has no weight. Lame joke. Weak sauce joke. Oh, it's at the 
thousand clowns. Why did I? I was stuck on the whole fish thing. A th she said she saw a thousand clowns. She says I must have seen it a thousand times. She's like that's a hundred thousand clowns. Like please, no, just no. Edward, that's a terrible joke. Granted, neither of these boys have ever been on their feet for eight hours a day, five days a week. You don't know what it's like working customer service. You had one day at that restaurant your dad had to see how you would be a manager, and it was absolute terror. I mean, he was supposed to be, you know, Ricky was supposed to be like a manager in training for his other, you know, friends, Derek got fired, JT, and I think, what was her name, Lisa? I think they quit, so it's just Ricky. And it's just like, ugh. That was a good taste of customer service for, but luckily his dad came down. I mean, there should have been, that was junior businessmen. They really should have had an adult kind of overseeing stuff in the shadows. Like, Edward, like, all right, you guys do what you need to do. I'm going to be in the back, like, making food and then, yeah, or something. Just over. I'm going to be in the office, and then if you need me, get me. Oh, it looks like Alfonso and Rick have a little, um, I, maybe they have a dance number. Because the doorbell rings, it's grandfather. Edward wants to open the door, but of course, Rick's like, no, dad, wait. Alfonso and I got something we want to show grandpa. Grandfather's not going to be impressed. You know your grandfather. Barely anything lifts a smile to that man's face. Even when he was happy about that date with Barbara Billingsley's character, Rick's teacher, and you see him smile and actually laugh, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Morning, father. Sir. Your coat, sir. Your hat. Right this way, sir. Watch your step, sir. <laughs> your seat, sir. Yeah, long lost. Receiving the deference and the respect I so richly deserve. That's not it, Grandfather. We're practicing to be Mel Steckler ushers. Oh, that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mel's real demanding, you know. You might say Steckler's a stickler. We're ready to get out to the world and make some of that lean green. Well, we just about completed all the arrangements for your library fundraiser party next week, Father. But are you sure you don't want me to hire the Renaissance merrymakers? Well, they'll wander through the crowd wearing their old English costumes, juggling, miming, spreading mirth. <laughs> no mirth spreading. Might tarnish the unveiling. My monument. My dream. Is that your dream money armpit? Could <laughs> <laughs> you do the honors, please? Oh, of course. Okay, so I thought they had a song and dance routine. I was hoping to see a song and dance routine. No. They are practicing being ushers. Like, oh, right this way, sir. Let me take your coat and hat, sir. Here you go. Let me pull out your chair for you, sir. And this is okay. Guys, you have no idea. You have no idea what your job is going to really fully entail until you actually go there. But they're practicing. And Grandfather brought plans for a new development that he's got going on. 
that he wants to have built. I thought I thought he was retiring. Isn't that what that party or is a fundraiser or something? What is going on? The Edward Stratton Library of Business and I'm guessing that's other word that's cut off says finance. So this is a live okay, so it's a fundraiser to raise money to build this library of business and finance. So it's not like a library you're gonna go and find Harry Potter or Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson series or Shannon Messenger's Keeper of the Lost Cities books. No, you're not gonna find those there. You're gonna find Twilight there. If you want a book excuse me, on business and finance, you will find those books there. But you won't find anything else of real interest. Unless you're into business and finance. If you're Alex P. Keaton, you might feel right at home at this library. But if you're not, you might want to just keep walking. Oh, the Edward Stratton Second Library of <laughs> Business and Finance. We're talking big bucks, Edward. <laughs> this fundraising party, inviting to your house... The cream of society. Well, that's good, Father, because we're having cream of herring soup. On <laughs> occasion, I want that choo-choo train out of here in the roundhouse. I want those crayons in their box. And 86 the dummy. Not Phil! Don't worry, everything will be properly refined and sedate. Do I have to be there? <laughs> what did you say? Uh, do I get to be there? <laughs> yes, my boy. You get to be there. So do you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> They're having the fundraiser at Edward's house. So, of course, now they got to remove the train tracks. So they got to put those big, giant crayons that are in a little alcove area off of where the library study is. And the, he wants... Phil removed. No, not Phil. Aww. So, of course, Rick's like, do I have to be there? And Grandfather just gives him the sternest look, like, excuse me? And Rick's like, uh, I mean, can I be there? <laughs> and then, of course, he's like, yes, yes, you can. And he's like, even you, Alfonso. Well, he doesn't call him Alfonso. He's like, even you. And then, Alfonso's like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> There's another ring at the doorbell. Oh, also, apparently Edward wanted to have, like, some old Englishman jugglers there to make merry and entertain the people that got to sit through this whole presentation. Yeah. Dexter! Great. Now what's going on? He doesn't look happy. Apparently this Frederick Fathersham person... He, is he a rival of Grandfather Stratton's, I'm guessing? Well, apparently he died. Uh, yesterday he and uh, Grandfather Stratton were getting into a disagreement where Grandfather called him Chicken Lips, and of course Mr. Featherson, whatever his name is, called him a fathead. Lifelong business rival, when Kate's like, who is this Featherton person? Okay, and... He should be jumping for joy. Your rival's gone. You have no competition. Okay, so far this episode, honestly, is not really thrilling me. Can we kind of move things along? I already kind of knew go feeling like a, when I was going to be go discussing this. It's... <laughs> I'm not interested. It's... 
Come on. I want, you know, I want to hear about the boys and their usher thing. Can we have that? Because that I would rather hear about. I want to see how that plays out. Where is this I'm going to retire for fun stuff that was the synopsis for this episode? I don't hear any of that yet. Granted, we're still pretty early into the episode. Phil is dressed like he's got a cowboy hat on, and it looks like he's got, like, a faded, like, button-up shirt that looks like it might have, like, faded American flag colors, like, uh, just above the breast pocket. I don't know. I wonder if we continue to see Phil, like, in season four and five, maybe. Kate wouldn't get rid of Phil just because she's redecorating that the living room and making it a living room because it doesn't look like a living room right now. I think Joel Higgins said in an interview that I listened to that he actually got to keep that leather chase lounge couch. Okay, the guy's name is Faversham, not Featherton. I don't know where I came up with that. Faversham, like a sham. A sham wall, if you will. I never bought a ShamWow, but I would always say, was it Billy Mays? He was the one that did all those infomercials. I'm going to play this clip. He's just down in the dumps about the fact that his rival is now dead. It's like, who else am I going to compete with now? There are millions of other people out there. Granted, this rivalry started in 1926, apparently. Hi, Dexter. Hi, Dex. Something the matter, Dexter? I just heard some disturbing news on the radio about Franklin Faversham. What's the old coot done now? Well, the old coot died. <laughs> That's not possible. But only yesterday, he called me a fathead. <laughs> I counted by calling him chicken lips. <laughs> Who is Faversham? He's my father's lifelong business rival. Started in 1926 when Mr. Stratton bought out Faversham filters. We called it the Stratton Strainer. Boy, did we put one over. Father, it's hard to imagine you without Faversham. It'd be like General Motors without Ford, or Harvard without Yale, or Roadrunner without Wiley Coyote. That's <laughs> not fair. It's not fair. You're really upset about this, aren't you, Grandfather? Yes, I am. I hope that I would see my library started before he started his library. Oh, it looks as though. His groundbreaking will come before me after him. <laughs> so, come on. The, the man is gone. You're going to build your dang library. You're going to break... He, I guess he wanted the guy to see his library. Uh, Grandfather Strand wanted to see his library come up so that guy could see the library built before he died and just basically rub it in his face. But, alright, now we're getting to this party here at the Strat. I've never seen so many people in this home except for when the Rick has a party. So Kate's got her hair done up. It's pretty nice with it kind of pinned back like that, but I don't like her dress. It's kind of a, it's a cotton candy pink is what it is. And it's got a couple long sashes that kind of come down and, like, crisscross at the, the stomach. I just, I'm not digging it. I'm not digging it. Edward looks great in his, um, suit and tie. Well, I guess tuxedo, if you want to call it. It's a tuxedo suit and tie. 
So, apparently, Edward has been smiling so much, his face has fallen asleep. And I love how Kate just kind of, like, runs her her fingers kind of down his face, almost like he's, like, she's, like, working with clay. Like, a clay face. And just, like, moving the clay around. And he's like... <laughs> Are you kidding me? Grandfather Stratton is an hour late? What are you doing? Are you eating bonbons in bed because you're depressed, Grandfather Stratton? They're throwing that party for you. That is your party, and you're not there. Seriously, this is as bad as when DJ threw that party for Kimmy, and Kimmy brought her two friends, and then she walked out with these two new friends to hit the mall, and they just bailed on DJ surpri Kimmy's surprise party. He better have a good reason for why he's not there. Did they try calling? Yes, Edward. I think my face fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> where is your father? He's over an hour late. Oh, I wouldn't worry about it, Kate. I'm sure Dexter knows where he is. Where is he? Nope. Are we going to practice being ushers? The coast is clear. There's like a beeline for the buffet table. Grab some chow and get back here before someone can pinch our cheeks. <laughs> That's impossible, Rick. We're too cute. <laughs> Even Dexter does not know. Seriously? Go over to his house. Check it out. If he's not answering the phone, something could have happened. He could have fallen in the bathtub. He could have tripped over his own feet. He, he could be on the ground, no life alert around his neck to call 911. But yeah, my guess is he, he's in bed depressed. So we cut to the, the study where we see Rick and Alfonso pop their heads out, and they're like, hey, let's go for the... Buffet table and let's like cram our pockets and our plates as full as we can get it and dash back in there before anyone sees us so nobody pinches our cheeks. They're 14 year old boys. You're not like six year old Dennis the Menace. Where like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. I'm gonna pinch her. They're not Arnold Jackson from different stories. They pinch his. So many people were pinching his cheeks from season one to season three. I think they finally stopped in season four. It's like, you need to not pinch that boy's cheeks. Yeah, I see that mini mullet. I see that mini mullet developing at the back of Rick Schroeder's neck. And it's not fun. The way that they got it cut, because it's like, like shaved, like just above the ear, it's just shaved. And then the way that the, the length just kind of goes down to the back, in the back, like a V, and then it kind of goes down. But then you see this long patch of hair that's starting to slowly form like a mullet. He's got a mini baby mullet growing, and it's just, oh, I see <laughs> this lady who's um, a servant there putting out the food is just kind of looking at the boys, and it looks like she's smirking, like, oh, teenage boys, they got to refuel. So, of course, Rick's like, hey, what are we doing? Grandfather wanted us at this party because we're adults, not children. We're acting like children. Guys, 
Your grandpa is not even there. He is not going to give a crap. He just pile your plates, take them back, hide in the study, play your computer games, and just just have a boy's time. Because nothing that's going on at this party is going to interest you. People are just mingling. There's nothing going on. There's no discussion about this library of finance and business. Nothing. What are we doing? We are acting like children. Grandfather wants this part of us are practically adults. Let's act our age and mingle. Right. Oh, there you are, you darling voice. Where have you been? Get your hands off their face! And mingling all over the place. You weird lady, stop touching those boys! Dang, they're 14. You pervert. Our cheeks like we're little kids. Oh, it probably has nothing to do with age. <laughs> oh, stop it! You weird lady! Oh my god. Seriously? That lady needs some help because she's not only pinching their cheeks, she's going over to Edward and Dexter. Who invited this woman? Who is she? Get her out of there. She needs to stop touching people and teenage boys' faces. Just be happy they're pinching your face cheeks and not your butt cheeks. But luckily, there's a phone that just happens to be right on an end table, front and center, where the couch would have been. And I'm guessing that's got to be Grandfather's threat, and he's calling from his bed. Like, I can't make it. I'm too depressed. I want to retire. Edward, you can have the business. I'm just going to hang out here in bed and just, like, stuff myself. <clears throat> yep. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, who's this? Oh, yeah, just a second. Uh, Rick, it's for you. It's Mel Steckler Ushers. Great, all right. They only call you when you got the job. No doubt about it. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello? Mr. Stratton speaking. Uh huh. Uh huh. Ah, oh, bummers! I mean, thank you. What about Mr. Spears? Ah, oh, bummers! Bye. Is it old enough? Too young. Well, either you didn't get the job, or you've been eating those herring egg rolls. I've been hit hard, Dad. I did both. They said they really like this and we should come back when we're old. Mm -hmm. Come back when we're older? That's the story of our lives. If you want to see a movie like Purple Rain, you have to come back when you're older. If you want to drive a car, you have to come back when you're older. I'm surprised when I was born, somebody didn't tell me, come back when you're older. Rick, believe me, you're going to be a grown-up soon enough. Ah. Uh, I remember when I was your age. <laughs> Forget it, son. I don't think I can father my way out of this one. So it turns out it's not Grandfather Stratton on the phone. It is the Usher place. That, and I figured, yeah, they are not old enough to for the job. So, of course, they didn't offer it to him. Come back when you're older. Say probably 17, 18 years old. 
maybe 21 if they serve alcohol. I don't know, but them's the breaks, kiddos. Them's the breaks. Yeah, I don't think they would have wanted to be ushers. I mean, after one day, they're like, eh, this sucks. I like how Ricky says that when I tried to go see Purple Rain, they said, come back when you're older. And I, you know, he wants to be able to dr to drive and everything. He's like, no, come back when you're older. And he says, I can't believe they didn't say that, like, when I was born, come back when you're older. And, of course, Edward wants to be sympathetic to his son, give him advice. He's like, you know, son, when I was your age. And then he realizes this is really not the time to give a speech like that. Dexter comes up to him like, hey... A lot of people, I'm trying, I'm fielding questions on why your dad's not here, Edward. I don't know what to tell them. Yeah, there's got to be a reason. Where is he? Is he in bed? No, this party, this benefit, this fundraiser thing was for him and his library of business and finance. Where is he? Apparently, he is being fashionably late, as Kate says, because he comes in dressed all in white, white tuxedo, white pants, the whole nine yards, and he's got a pretty blonde wearing a red cowboy hat, red and white dress, and white cowboy boots. Oh, moo. Wow. Snazzy, snazzy. Hey ho, guys and dolls. <laughs> I think this party's picking up. <laughs> What's happened to him? Hello, Father. I see you brought a guest. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I think you've got it, Grandfather. <laughs> this is Dee Dee Driscoll, my own personal selection, the spokesperson the Stratton Boot Company. This is my son, Edward Stratton III. So you're Eddie Three. <laughs> I reckon. And this is my son. Don't tell me, Eddie Four. No, no, Ricky One. <laughs> and Don Alfonso, that was a great yell. You must have. train yourself. Richard, why don't you and Alfonso go to the herring bar with Dudu? <laughs> yeah, Grandfather sure knows how to make an entrance, doesn't he? <laughs> so apparently there is no Stratton Boot Company. 
Because he says, like, oh, she's, like, a spokesperson, spokeslady for the brand. And she puts on this whole charade dance song number. And, of course, Rick goes over to his grandfather's like, oh, I didn't know that you own a boot factory. And, of course, grandfather's like, x on the oots eh? <laughs> And she, Dee Dee, this girl's named, calls grandfather Trenton. Eddie, too, and then of course, she goes over to Edward, like, you're Eddie 3, huh? Okay. And she socks him right in the shoulders, like, ugh. So she looks at Ricky and says, let me guess, Eddie 4, and Ricky's like, no, no, Ricky! I am Ricky 1. <laughs> Just Ricky. And Alfonso was impressed by Dee Dee's dancing and, uh, yelling, and Dee Dee's like, you want me to do that again? And we're like, uh, no, don't, please. So Dexter tells Alfonso and Rick to take Dee Dee over to the dessert table, and while they're walking away, Dee Dee's like, if only you're such a handsome fella, if you were like 50 years older, and of course Ricky rolls his eyes like, ugh. So she likes the older men. Good for you, sweetie. So the big question that Edward, Kate, and Dexter are asking themselves is what is going on with Grandfather Stratton? Kate even whispers to Edward, is your father on any medication that you know of? Grandfather Stratton has a cloth over what looks like a display of what will be this library. Let's find out. You may bring it in, please. Bring what in? Is he on some sort of medication? I don't think so. Should he be? <laughs> what is it? This, uh, Ricky, is a statue. I call it D.D. O. Natural. What? I'm so embarrassed. You're on the verge of a major scandal. Did it burn it? different when she's natural. Yeah, you've really captured her hat. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement. Bernie, hit it. As of this moment, I am resigning as chairman of Stratton Industries. What? Now, people, let us party hearty. Yeah! Okay, there is something there. Well, let me just say, I was duped. I was fooled. It's a sculpture of a cowboy hat in honor of D.D. And Grandfather Stratton makes his announcement that he is retiring from Stratton Enterprises. Are you... Okay, seriously, what has that girl done to him? She's done something to him. She hit him with the youth serum. So they're doing a good old-fashioned square dance as Dee Dee is uh, square dancing with Alfonso, and it looks like she, Ricky's up for a turn. I noticed that Grandfather Stratton had actually referred to Rick as Ricky. He normally calls him Richard, but he said Ricky. I'm like, well, that's... He doesn't do that that often. Hardly ever. 
Maybe I might have heard him one other time. So Rookie says, hey, look, it's hard to square dance with just three people. We need another person. And they call over that lady who was pinching Alfonso and Rick's cheeks. And then, of course, she's like, no, I don't want to. Grandfather insults her. She leaves. Who is this woman? Is she an influential part of Shallow, Shallow Springs? I don't think so. But she leaves. As the woman walks out, Grandfather screams out, Parsi Pooper! Like, oh, good grief. Now the boys want to hit up the punch. And Edward's like, ah, that has champagne in it. And of course, as Rick hands his glass over to his father, like, oh, yeah, Alfonso, too young. Like, yeah, you are too young. You're not doing that just yet. That comes in, what, season four or five? Where he, Rick tries alcohol and he gets into an accident, I think? Hey guys, that has champagne in it. We know. <laughs> Here we go again, Alfonso. Too young. <laughs> So Edward decides to have a talk with his father, like, what is going on with you? And Grandfather chucks it up to a midlife crisis. And Dexter's like, really, at your age? And Grandfather's like, well, they pretty much invented the midlife crisis when I was my age, or something to that effect. It's like, come on. Oh, we get another creepy smile from Grandfather Stratton because we don't see them very often. His face, when he smiles, it's like his whole face lights up like a toddler's. So basically, I'm guessing that uh, Grandfather is just like wanting to live life to the fullest here. Because his rival died, and that's not how Grandfather wants to go out. He wants to go out in style, wants to party it up, wants to take Rick in a ride. In his new Porsche. I don't like Porsche. I like Porsche. I like the name Porsche. Father, I think it's time you and I had a talk about what's going on with you. Loosen up. When I get loose, I'm loose as a goose. <laughs> I see. Then that explains Annie get your heart pills, huh? <laughs> All my life. Wanted a hot babe. Aww. A hot babe is one thing, but don't you think relinquishing your entire empire was was nuts? With all due respect. <laughs> well, you can write that down to midlife crisis. At your age? <laughs> well, when I was in midlife, they hadn't invented the crisis. <laughs> Gotta do it now. <laughs> Don't you think that you've gone a little too far, too fast? Well, I don't want to end like Faversham. Faversham died with his suit on. For him, it's too late. It's not too late for me. Richard? Yeah? You care to ride in my new Porsche? Sure. Didi, I shall return. Okay, Eddie, too. <laughs> You're very good. So grandfather takes Rick out for a spin in the new. I'm calling it a Porsche. I'm calling it a Porsche. I refuse to say Porsche. Um, Kate's like, look, Edward. I'm sure your father's just going through something, and he'll 
get over it. He'll get it out of his system. And Edward's like, yeah, you know, you're probably right. Just to spin around the block. And then all of a sudden we hear the wheels spinning, like gravel spitting out and just the sound of him taking off. Like, oh boy. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Now he's in jail? What in the world? Grandfather Stratton, you have sunk to a new low. Yeah, it looks like uh, Grandfather Stratton is in for... Because some guy's like, hey, Pops, what you in for? You didn't have to get all dressed up. And, of course, Grandfather's in for an expired driver's license. Well, he usually has someone drive him, so I'm surprised he even has a license. So this guy thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. With the leather hat, he's got the sleeveless jean jacket, he's got change. He says, I'm in for Grand Theft Auto, extortion and fraud. And he's so proud of himself when he says it, this guy. Well, of course, Grandfather Stratton tries to top that, says, Did I mention my driver's license expired in 1936? Whoa. So ever since then, he's been riding around with the chauffeur. So Rick comes in dressed in his tux, and he's like, Hey, Grandfather, don't worry. My dad's coming down to bail you out. And of course... Leather hat here is like, oh, you guys are really making me feel underdressed. So I think that what Grandfather Stratton is trying to do, because he, he looks at Rick and he's like, what I wouldn't give to be your age again. And it's like he's trying to recapture his lost youth. Like, maybe from early age, like his father kind of had him, you know, learning the business and everything like that. And, you know, Grandfather always takes stuff too seriously, so it's almost like he's chasing that young version of himself that he always kind of wanted. And seeing Ricky being able Rick enjoying his life and everything, it just is bringing... He wants to cut loose. He wants to have a good time, you know? His, his rival passing away probably made him think... I'm not going to be around much longer. I gotta, I want to have a chance to cut loose and have a good time before I go. And Rick, of course, is like, hey, look, being 14 is no picnic, all right? Everyone's always telling you what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Richard, see where I've ended. See what a mess I've made of my life. Oh, what wouldn't I give to be your age again? Fourteen, it's no picnic. You're barely old enough to do anything. They won't even let me in the cell with you. <laughs> Richard, don't be in such a hurry to grow up. Let me tell you something about myself. When I graduated from college, I went to spend the summer in Paris. I was never so young as I was that summer. Richard, enjoy your youth. Savor it. Take time to smell every rose. For me, it may be too late. Why? You still got a nose. <laughs> You've got a lot more in your heart than I thought you had. I get it. You 
three generations are made of these. Bob, you tried to recapture too much. You're throwing away everything you spent a lifetime building up. Why can't you have a both wings? Ever since Favisham died, there's no more challenge. I guess you're right. I suppose in that case you wouldn't be interested in hearing how they've turned the company over to Faversham Jr., huh? Not Skippy. <laughs> I guess you'd even be less interested in hearing how Dexter overheard this self-same Skippy at the Princeton Club talking about how he was going to bring Stratton Industries to its, and I quote, knees, unquote. I don't believe it. I'll ruin him. Let me out of here. Promise me you're going to try to balance your life. You can go back to your business, but still do some fun things. I can still do my sculpting. I'm good at that. Yeah, you are good. You're very good. Isn't he, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Now, Picasso himself said he couldn't teach me a thing. Saturdays and Sundays you can sculpt. And Mondays through Fridays you can ruin people. <laughs> hey, I feel better already. <laughs> so do I. I'm going to appreciate and enjoy being 14. Of course, 14 would be better if I could see a movie like Purple Rain and drive a car. <laughs> Richard. Edward. So yeah, Edward shows up listening to Grandfather's Empowered Speech to Rick about appreciating your youth and everything like that. Like, don't throw it away. Don't be in such a hurry to grow up. <clears throat> and um, Edward heard from Dexter that Faversham's kid, who uh, Grandfather refers to Skip as Skippy, <laughs> which is funny, that makes me think of Family Ties, um, is taking over Faversham Industries, and he, quote-unquote, is going to bring Stratton Industries to its knees. And, of course, that lights a, finder, a fire under Grandfather Stratton's butt, and he's like, get me out of here, get me out of here, I'm going to ruin that little punk. And it's so cute how Edward... And Rick and Grandfather, since Grandfather is still behind bars, they all hug, and it's so sweet. Of course, we got Mr. Leather Hat Sleeveless Jean Jacket here, who's got to get on a, get in on the action. Like, I want to hug, too. Like, no, go away. <laughs> you know, you guys gave me an idea. When I get out of here, I'm going to get a regular job Monday through Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to ruin people. <laughs> so a guard comes to let Grandfather Stratton out, and the leather hat, sleeveless jean jacket dude is like, Hey, you guys have inspired me. When I get out of here, I'm going to get a job Monday through Friday and ruin people on Saturday and Sunday. And that is the episode. Like I said, guys, this really was a lackluster episode. Nothing wrong with Grandfather Stratton. Nothing wrong with John Houseman. It's just, it 
was not that great. And I know there are some duds here and there along the way. I know f when I looked ahead to see what other episodes are in season four and five, things get hokey and just kind of weird. Like, what? Why are we focusing on this person? Who is this person? That stuff. Like, come on. Mm. But, yeah. So, the rating for this episode... I'm going to give it a two out of five trains. I really did not. I mean, granted, this episode is not like Mr. President from season two. That was a total wash of an, of an episode. That was just not good on a whole different level. But this just was, it was I'm going to flat out say boring. It was just really boring. The only thing that even was semi-partial interesting was the whole thing about the ushers, and that got kind of, uh, the ushers job got kind of, uh, quickly wrapped up with a phone call, so. For my, my, um, silver spoonful for this week, just appreciate your age. Don't, for kids, don't, you have the whole rest of your lives ahead of you. You don't even know the responsibility that you're going to have when you get out of high school. That's why it's funny how even like me, I look back to, maybe I didn't have the greatest childhood and everything like that, but being a kid just, you didn't have the responsibility of bills and a job and I mean I'm thankful for for you know having a roof over my head and I'm thankful for my job and everything but it's just it's never ending guys and that's if you get to be able to retire that's another thing I thought this was kind of like this retirement thing in the episode I kept wondering like when is it gonna come back to that because he's so focused on this Library of Business and Finance, I thought it was like, where's this retirement thing come going to come in? And, uh, God. think about how many people <clears throat> get to actually retire. And, you know, you work for, what, 40 years of your life? And then, it's, <sighs> man. I mean, think about it. You're working longer than you probably get to retire for. You get maybe 20 years, if that, of retirement, depending on how long you live. And I'm sorry to be a downer and all that, but it's just... That's another thing. You want to retire? You make sure you start putting money away. Like, I really wasn't able to. I worked part-time jobs. I... Not really so much until my current job was able actually to start like one of those 401 what have yous. So, um, but yeah, even my dad, that was my dad's advice. One day when we were just driving through the field, he was checking out either the soybeans or the corn or the apple trees. And I remember that conversation, um, it was many years ago, where he said, that's why I started putting away from my retirement early, you know, when I was in my 20s. So that way I'd be able to have something to live off of when I get to that age. And, God, <laughs> oh, it's getting me choked up. 
My dad didn't even get to have his retirement. And it, it definitely sucks because he worked his butt off for so many years. And he was still working almost all the way up to the end until he physically couldn't do it anymore. And it sucks that he didn't get to have his retirement. And the other thing he told me in the hospital, he's like, you need to take care of your body. You need to, don't end up like me. Where you get to be my age and it's like your body just wears out on you. <laughs> That's the thing, guys. I'm not trying to preach to you or anything, but. You gotta take care of you. I need to take care of myself. I need to be doing more. Especially with my health. I know I I don't have the the greatest diet and every I, I don't. Definitely not. Um I I don't wanna find myself in the hospital before I hit forty. And I know this is a downer, guys, I know. But, it's just sad. I mean, it's not just take care of yourself financially. It's take care of yourself mentally and physically. Be able to see yourself work hard enough and be rewarded at the end with retirement and enjoying your life. Enjoy the time that you have that you're given. Don't take it for granted. And maybe in a way that could be tied back a little bit with uh, Grandfather Stratton. I mean, this guy, he can retire at any time if he wanted to. And he's just, I mean, his type of job, his company and everything like that, he's pretty much set for life and everything. But just doing what he loves with his company and, like, taking over other companies and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, this just... So much talk about retirement, and whenever that comes up, I always get a little, um, I get a little emotional. Just with, you know, like I said, my dad, he didn't get to enjoy an uh, his retirement that he worked his whole life for. It makes me, you know, appreciate, just ap appreciate every day that you're given on this earth, and just... Make the most of it of what you can. You know, wake up with the sun and just see the beauty of the world. Watch a sunset. Go for a walk. Listen to the the wind whistling through the trees, or the even with the fall. You know, with you know the leaves changing colors. I know that I talked about how much you know the heat is what I don't like about summer. That's what I don't like about summer. But um. The fall, just before it starts to get really cold, just that nice level of not-too-hot, not-too-cold weather uh, breeze that comes through as you're just, you know, walking and just enjoying the scenery and everything. Alright, I'm going to talk to you about the next episode that's coming up, which I think is going to be better than this one. <laughs> I think it might. I think it might. Let's find out. 
All right, season four, episode 14, entitled Special Friend, which aired on January 13th, 1985. Rick becomes a peer counselor and tries to help a student whose attitude is worse than his grades. Oh, boy. After that, we have What's Cooking. That'll be the week after. That's where Rick's suggestion for a Stratton Flower Mill... Stratton... Flower Mills promotion lands him a job at his grandfather's company. Rick, you wanted a job? There you go. Your grandfather's company. How about that? And then, of course, we get the two-part Marry Me, Marry Me parts one and two, which I will be doing in one episode. So that will be three weeks from now. All right, so uh, this is a portion where I want to talk about a book that I finished listening to last night. If you guys aren't into reading, you can cut it off here. I'll see you next week. If not, yeah, I'm going to talk about Lizzie flying solo. And first of all, I'm going to open some windows and some sliding doors because it is it's getting warm in here. <laughs> so Lizzie flying solo by Nancy Turner Stevenson. I'm going to read the synopsis first. A typical, excuse me, a lyrical, poignant middle grade novel about embracing change, accepting help from others, and finding a place to call home. Perfect for fans of Raimi Nightingale. What, is that a book? I should look that up. Lizzie St. Clair wants to be invisible. Forced to move out of her home, she and her mom now live in a transitional housing shelter. Good hope until they can get back on their feet. Lizzie just wants to keep her head down at Good Hope and her new school, so she doesn't have to admit the real reason she and her mom lost everything. But when Lizzie finds herself at the nearby Birchwood Stables, some new friends along with the arrival of a frightened pony named Fire help Lizzie to open up and accept help from those around her even if it means she'll have more to lose if things change. This was such a beautiful book that really did delve into homelessness, uh, transitioning from living in a house to living in a shelter, starting a new school. There's also a bit of child abuse in there. We don't see... The child abuse take place. We do see the after effects of it. So that if that's a touchy subject for you, it's I think it's handled quite well. How they how they handle that. Lizzie, of course, um how she and her mother wind up there. Her father did some bad stuff with his job, got in trouble. Lizzie and her mom end up losing the house that they lived in, and they had to, she and her mom had to move to Good Hope, and it's just like a one room that's got a bunk bed for her and her mom and everything, and it's just, the lady who runs the place, I think her name is Miss May, just has all these rules. You see a lot of different characters that are also there in transition, they're having difficulty getting back on their feet. And Lizzie's embarrassed. She doesn't, you know, she's starting a new school. She does not want anyone to know that she is staying at this homeless shelter. So she makes it a point to have the bus pick her up at a different location. Um, through the woods, there is a stable called Birchwood Stables. And that is where Lizzie 
before they moved there was she was going to learn how to ride her dad had it all set up for her to start um taking riding lessons she had a, you know her riding gear and everything like that and she ended up getting rid of it so um yeah she just she just hangs out that she goes there at first just kind of watch the other young girls you know right taking writing lessons and she's just like I w she imagines herself like I wish that could be me and everything and one day they're unloading a horse that's kind of wild scared kind of like how Liz Lizzie feels connected to this horse like this horse I know this horse is going through being in a different place and they're scared and they don't know what's gonna happen and she bonds with this horse and there, she also meets a new kid in school. His name is Bryce. He's from Wyoming. And even though Lizzie is a little like, hey, look, I'm trying to keep my head down. I don't really want to make any friends right now. He's persistent. And she finds out, you know, that he also is, he's getting lessons at that stable. And the guy, one of the guys who runs the place, Joe, sees Lizzie there, and he's like, hey, look, I see you kind of coming out here day after day, just kind of watching things. Why don't you come on and, and, you know, help us out? You know, we always like, you know, extra hands to help do things, you know, clean out the stalls, feed the horses, stuff like that. So she gets the permission slip signed by her mom and everything, and just things really flow from there. So in a way, even though she kind of lost what her family, that family unit was with her mom and dad and everything, and then she had to move. In a way, with these people that she meets, it's almost like a new family, in a way. I mean, even though they say that necessarily family doesn't mean, you know, that you had to share the same DNA, that, you know, you're related by blood. It also could mean... Like, a tight-knit group of people that come together from different circumstances and form, you know, a bond with each other. And I just, I, I love how the author just wrote the characters. The narrator, on the other hand, because this was an audiobook I listened to, I liked how she did, you know, Lizzie and Bryce and everything, and, you know, the mom and Joe, but some of the other characters, it's almost like... Her voice was, like, really slowed down or, or something. It just kind of took, like... But, other, I mean, that was, like, a little complaint. But the rest of the story, because I started this book... I looked on Goodreads. When I started, it was, like, mid-June. Now it's, like, the end of um, July almost. So it took me a month and a half to read... You know, listen to an uh, audiobook that's probably six, seven hours long. Well, you know, I also like to listen to podcasts and stuff like that. And sometimes I will come back to a book, like, later on. Like, I notice I only have, like, less than three hours left on it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to power through it. I'm going to finish it. And it's just, I, in the back of my mind, I'm gonna, not going to say what happens, but something does happen that is kind of a setback for Lizzie. And in the back of my mind, before that happened, I'm like, what if this happens? It can't be so cut and dry that it's just going to be all smooth all the way through. And in the back of my mind, when that did happen, I'm like, okay, I kind of figured something like that could happen. And when it did, I mean, it sucked for her. But, you know, she powered through it and other things started to come along. And everything.
everything started to slowly knit itself together. Maybe not in the way that I expected for it to turn out, but it turned out in a way that was a happy ending, not just for Lizzie, but for her mom and everything like that. And it's just... It was a good story. Uh, it was a good middle grade story. And <clears throat> I need to get some water. I know. What am I doing? Sucking down Diet Coke at like 9.52 a.m., right? <laughs> um... Friday, I had off, so I went, yeah, I went to the bookstore. I had some money left over from the trip. I right away went to, I always find myself gravitating to middle grade now over young adult, which I love young adult, don't get me wrong. But middle grade, for the last maybe year and a half, I have found that there's such a variety of middle grade books. And when I went to the bookstore, and I, I think I got like six or eight books. <laughs> um, but middle grade books are like seven bucks a pop, which isn't terrible. But, um, you know, with my discount, it worked out. Um, but I was talking to the bookseller about, you know, middle grade books. And I said, you know, back in my day, <laughs> how funny is that, right? Um... Back in my day, there wasn't a lot of middle grade. There definitely was not. When I became a teenager, at the little library in my small town, there was next to maybe a shelf of young adult books. And that was my young adult stuff that I read. Um, but I just like nowadays that we I didn't have these types of books when I was a kid. Books that kids can relate to, depending on their living circumstances, depending on their ethnicity, or whatever they're going through. And like, it seems like there is now a book for just about every situation, which is great. Kids finally can feel like they have somebody to relate to. If they can't relate to someone in the real world, they have a fictional character they can relate to and understand this person's feelings and identify with that. And it's like, that is such a coping tool and that's so so great that young you know middle grade readers are reaching out to kids and stuff like that and saying you're not alone this character that I wrote I wrote for you so that way you feel like you're not alone and you can understand what this person's going through and maybe it helps that per the, the reader be able to come to their own conclusions and their own solutions of their problems you know, another thing, I haven't come across it yet, but I'm sure there's stuff out there about, you know, children that are in special ed and, in a way, write it so it's not like, oh, you're making fun of that person because they're in special ed. And it's just, it angers me so much. You see that in YA and stuff like that. It's like people will make fun of the person in special, like, oh, they're this, or they're stupid, or they're... No! It's not that at all. Honestly, special ed was for... A variety of people with different disabilities. I'm going to be completely honest here and say that it was not really the greatest fit for me. They stuck a lot of kids that were problems in regular classes and kids that started fights and talked out of turn. They stuck them in our class. Like, teachers don't want to deal with you. You're going to go into special ed. So, in a way... Now, my classroom, my learning is getting disrupted, and teachers spent half the time trying to keep these kids quiet, you know, as far as 
you're disrupting the class and, you know, trying to break up fights and stuff between students. And it's like, that wasn't a good environment for me. And I know I'm getting, guys, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know I get personal on this podcast. I do. That's, this is, (laughs) this is my therapy. This is my therapy, me doing this. And, you know, if you guys could care less, that's up to you. That's fine. But, um, I mean, I get something out of it. And I hope maybe there's someone out there listening. Maybe they're, they can relate. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was Lizzie Flying Solo. I highly recommend it. The author does have two other books that I'm thinking I'm going to check out because I liked this one so, so much. Um, I also learned that, um, oh, let me talk about another book I actually am currently reading that I really enjoy. Let me find it. Here it is. Boom. And I did post it on, um, the Twitter and the Instagram and, uh, Facebook uh, Punky Brewster page. It's called Doll Bones by Holly Black. And Holly Black is known, she writes kind of scary-ish type stuff. Quinny, what are you doing over there? Quinny! What you doing, babe? Where you at? Uh. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. She just came down and she's somewhere. Getting into mischief, no doubt. Alright. Doll Bones. Zack, Poppy, and Alice have been friends forever. They love playing with their action figure toys, imagining a magical world of adventure and heroism, but disaster strikes when, without warning, Zack's father throws out all his toys, declaring he's too old for them. Zack is furious, confused, and embarrassed, deciding that the only way to cope is to stop playing and stop being friends with Poppy and Alice. But one night, the girls pay Zack a visit and tell him about a series of mysterious occurrences. Poppy swears that she is now being haunted by a china doll, who claims that it is made from the ground-up bones of a murdered girl. They must return the doll to where the girl lived and bury it, otherwise the three children will be cursed for eternity. That is an interesting book. So far, I'm only, I think... I'm on page, like, 51, maybe, and it's interesting. I mean, I'm going to be honest here and so far say, I mean, yes, it's holding my interest, but it's not the end-all, be-all spooky books. Um, But it's set in the fall, because you do hear about, like, the red and orange leaves. You hear about the leaves, you know, crunching under the shoes, that crisp, cool fall air and stuff like that. Like, yeah... If I were to have waited, like, hey, this would be a great book to read, like, in October and stuff like that. But I'm like, nah, I I picked this book up for 25 cents used. Great condition at my library. So, um, yeah. One of the books I, I read last, I think it was last fall, it was called Small Spaces. And I just found out over the weekend Because I was like, hmm, I wonder what, you know, when you go on Goodreads, you'll look up a book and you'll see readers also enjoyed these books. So I was like, see what they recommend. Found out there's a sequel book to this book. And I'm like, oh, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Same narrator. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Um, Also, um, if you remember one book I reviewed on the podcast, it might have been last summer. Or last spring. It was called Epic Failure of Arturo Zamora. 
And that author does have a new book. Let me look up his name here. Where is it? I'll just look up Epic Failure. Epic Fail. Here we go. Boom. Epic Fail of Arturo Zamora. Okay, so he also has a book called Marcus Vega Doesn't Speak Spanish, which I believe I read that last summer. His new book is called Each Tiny Spark. And this guy, I listened to the audiobooks. This guy does the audiobooks perfectly. He does them so great. So Each Tiny Spark, I'm going to read this. This actually comes out, I think, in maybe about a week or so because I already pre-ordered it from Audible. And no, this podcast is not sponsored by Audible. From award-winning author Pablo Cartea comes a deeply moving middle-grade novel about a daughter and father finding their way back to each other in the face of their changing family and community. Amelia Torres has a wandering mind. It's hard for her to follow along at school, and sometimes she forgets to do what her mom or abuela asks. But she remembers what matters, a time when her family was whole and home made sense. When dad returns from deployment, okay, so her dad is overseas, and, okay, Amelia expects that her life will get back to normal. Instead, it unravels. Dad shuts himself in the back stall of their family's auto shop to work on an old car. Amelia peeks in on him daily, mesmerized by the sparks flying from his welder. One day, dad calls Amelia over to take a closer look. Then he teaches her how to weld, and over time, flickers of her old dad reappear. But as Amelia finds a way to repair the relationship with her father at home, her community ruptures with some of her classmates, like her best friend Gus at the center of the conflict. Each Tiny Spark by Pablo Cotera is a tender story about asking big questions and being brave enough to reckon with the answers. So I loved his Two books, Marcus Vega Doesn't Speak Spanish, and also Epic Fail of Arturo Zamora. Beautiful, amazing books. I highly recommend them. I really like being able to read different books from characters of different ethnic backgrounds, diversity, stuff like that. I really, really like opening my mind and even, you know, it doesn't even have to be Black History Month. And I'm, you know, reading books about, you know, care, you know, persons of color and stuff like that. And I just, I want to understand. I want to walk around in their shoes. I want to know the difficulties they face and the things that they overcome and the, you know, challenges and everything and the triumphs and celebrate with them and everything. It's just, this has got... The authors of today are just outstanding because they hit marks that authors probably back in the day were afraid to even touch. I mean, they are not afraid to reach out and just shake you, like, listen up. This is important. Don't shy away from this. You need to, you know, just, yeah. They're afraid to not, they're not afraid to go places that other authors probably couldn't back in the day due to censorship. And that's another thing with censor, censorship and everything, you know, it's just, the, the book I, um, I'm re-listening to the audiobook, I love it, Banned This Book by Alan, G- um, Gats, Gart, Gart, 
Um, I bought a physical copy. Some of these audiobooks, since they're in paperback, I'll get the uh, physical copy because I want Jeremy's mom to read them. Because they're just so, so good. She's actually reading Front Desk by um, Kelly Yang. Because um, I was able to get it from Amazon for like six bucks. And it's these books are so good, guys. They're so, so good. So... All right, well, that is enough for this episode, so, uh, oh, I'm just praying, today's the day that, um, I pray that that new door is going to be installed, that they are able to install it, because we need a new screen door on the front of the house. Jeremy and I have been talking about it for years, my dad even... For one Christmas, had given us money to do that, and we just kept putting it off. And put, I think the fact we put it off was because the idea that Jeremy was going to have to do it himself. And it's finally like, no, let's go to Home Depot. You know, they send someone out to do measurements and stuff. And the thing of the problem is, and I'm hoping it's not a problem, when we first bought the house, um, you know the screen door, how it's got like a little springy thing that's supposed to like pull the door back in on its own? I, like, didn't latch it, because we weren't 100% moved in yet, and I guess I didn't latch that door, and whether there's a strong wind, that actually, like, swung the door open and kind of ripped that springy part from the door frame. So now it's, like, the door, you have to, like, close it, otherwise it's just gonna, you know, go all the way open and everything, so... I'm really hoping that that's not going to be a problem because the guy at Home Depot said, I don't know if it's going to work or not. Which it's like, we're paying you money to install our door. If anything, you can make it happen. I mean, if you got to make adjustments, then do it. We'll pay you. But please, Jeremy does not want to have to put in that storm door this fall. That has always been a hindrance to him. Every single time it's been an issue. And it's like... I just want a screen door that will shut on its own. That's all I want. But, all right. So, yeah, I'll be back next week with, um, in August with special friend. So, all righty. Have a great Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>